Hello and welcome. You're listening to Leadership Playbook, a London Business School podcast exploring the latest thinking and key issues for leaders and those aspiring to lead. I'm Viola Rollins, Executive Director of the London Business School Leadership Institute. I'll be the host of a series of episodes of Leadership Playbook focusing on various aspects of leadership. In this episode, we'll focus on what is often seen as a difficult but important concept, giving and receiving feedback. My guest today is Selen Kesber, an associate professor here at London Business School. Selen is a social psychologist whose research interests include looking at the concepts of cooperation, competition, gender, equality, and cultural transmission. She currently teaches executive leadership and negotiations on degree programs here at London Business School. Selen, delighted to have you here as a guest. Thank you. Thank you, Ayla. Wonderful to be here. Now, Selen and I have been exchanging thoughts and readings about today's topic for some time. So today we aim to go on the record with some practical advice for leaders and anyone who finds themselves in a situation where they're faced with having to give or receive feedback. Selen, first off, what have you been thinking about this topic lately? And why should we be thinking about and caring about the concept of feedback? We should care about feedback because effective feedback can be tremendously helpful and ineffective feedback can be tremendously damaging organizationally and individually. And we know that effective feedback can motivate, it can improve performance, it grows the person, it creates engagement. But on the other hand, bad feedback, ineffective feedback can demoralize, disengage, it can create resentment, it can create conflict and just simply miss the opportunity to develop a person and improve their performance. So basically, you can achieve so much with feedback. And I started to read about how can people give better feedback? How can we make this work better? And then I realized, first of all, there isn't really a lot of information out there on how to give feedback. And second, almost nobody gets training at giving feedback. So most people just wing it. Most people just go by their own intuitions. And those intuitions most of the time often aren't the right ones. People just give feedback so clumsily that the effect is almost worse than if they had just stayed silent. So that's why I actually wrote uh, an article on how to give feedback. Yes, and I love that article. You talk about some of the specific challenges relating to giving feedback and the fact that giving feedback is something that is usually not taught to students or business leaders. But you also give some great tips on how to build what I call your feedback muscle. Your thoughts have actually made me think about the the definition of feedback. How would you define the, the concept of feedback? The way that we think about feedback is It's information about how one is doing with respect to some goals, norms, or expectations. So people often confuse it with evaluation or with advice or with praise. It often comes combined with those, but what it 
is at its core, at its heart, is really telling someone about the difference between where they are and what they're doing and what they were expected to do. And that difference sometimes is positive and sometimes it's negative, often it's both. And it is just giving people that information. That's what feedback is. Why don't we start by looking at the ways in which well-meaning team leaders can give feedback, perhaps in a way that's self-defeating or counterproductive? Yeah, so there are actually some very common categories of poor feedback that a lot of us fall into. And I can give you some of those. So the first one, a big and very common way of giving feedback in an ineffective way is basically judging people rather than their actions. So something like um, you are not a good communicator or you need to become a better team player, or you lack initiative, you are careless. I mean, you will notice the you. So it's basically about the other person, not what they did. And uh, what we should aim for is instead of saying something like you were late, we can say the report was late. So instead of saying you made us look like fools, we can say I was worried that the clients thought of us as incompetent. So the idea here is not judging the people and what is wrong with judging people. Many things, first of all, it is overly general, too broad, and um, it puts people on the defensive because you are judging them. None of us want to be subject of that kind of judgment. And it's also not particularly informative or actionable when you are just giving someone a personality assessment, right? So one thing we want to definitely stay away from is uh, talking about people rather than their specific actions. Yes. One thing I often say when coaching executives or in development workshops with groups of leaders is share what you're feeling about a situation as opposed to what you're thinking about a person. Yeah, exactly. So uh, refraining from opinions about people themselves is not helpful. Pointing to instances and their impact is much more helpful. So the second related category of poor feedback is vague feedback. And actually, when I talk to my students, when I ask them about their feedback experiences, that is one of the things that they mention quite often, not getting any feedback or not getting informative specific, precise, clear feedback. So vague feedback is something like you did a good job or you did a poor job or I was expecting more from you or um, we were happy with your performance. You are doing okay. There's nothing specific here, not informative, not particularly informative. The person doesn't know what to take away from that. They don't know what behaviors they need to repeat or what behaviors to refrain from. And that's why, again, we want to get as specific as possible. Another one is generalities. And this is actually related to the first two categories. Something like you are always late or you never get your numbers right or you always forget to file this report. The problem with that is it's almost always inaccurate, right? Because nobody is late 100% of the time. Maybe they are late 50% of the time. And when you tell them you are always late, they will think of that 50% of the time. And basically, you are inviting 
disagreements um, the other person will feel like you are being unfair to them which will put them into defensive and it's also seem to be about the person rather than about specific instances another poor feedback type is too much sandwiching or too much sugar coating this is again like you were talking about how sometimes well-meaning managers well-meaning people do not give very effective feedback and this is one of the cases where meaning well often makes the feedback ineffective so sandwiching is basically because you don't want to hurt the other party's feelings like you want to give them the message that something is wrong but you sandwich it inside layers and layers of positive information so that they don't quite get whether they are in trouble or not so basically you are very thorough in your reports but there was this one time you forgot something but you are you are really trying to so hard to develop your subordinates but you know some of them left we, we don't know why but they speak all very highly of you and again like not giving a clear message another version of that is basically giving very sugar coated message so again you are trying to protect the other party's feelings you want to avoid unpleasant interactions but at the same time we really need to communicate important necessary feedback and we should aim to be clear so that our message is heard so it's basically a disservice to your people if they don't get to hear what they need to work on it's really important yes it's my experience that that last point is one leaders struggle with a lot they want to come into the conversation in a way that's making a person feel valued or creating a nice quote unquote environment before going in with the real issue. But as you said, it can end up diffusing what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Absolutely. And managers who think that they should deliver their messages in this manner because they are too worried about hurting the other party, there is a distinction between um, style and substance. If the style is respectful and if the other party knows that you care about them and their development, most people will not mind learning where they can improve themselves. In fact, I have heard that from my students. So when I'm teaching, I ask my students, what were some of the best leaders you have met? One of the things that I sometimes hear is, I had this one boss and um, they would just give me very critical feedback, but that really, really helped me improve. And I knew that they just cared about my development. So again, don't worry about giving negative feedback if it is actually for the benefit of the other person. I would like one more poor feedback type and that's feedback that speaks for other people. This is feedback that isn't based on first-hand objective information, but basically feedback that is speaking for others rather than from personal experience. So Mike said that you were confused by the assignment I gave you. People say they feel like you are micromanaging them. The issue here is not that feedback should not be given, but we need to find a more uh, appropriate way of giving the feedback. When you drag third parties into this 
mixed, it first of all leaves people wondering why others are talking behind their back. So basically, this is undermining the trust in the team. And also, we need to always remember that any sort of second-hand information can be partial, it can be biased, it can be incorrect. So we need to be particularly careful when we are trying to give feedback, but we don't really have any first-hand information. Yes, and another riff on that theme is individuals coming into conversations saying, we thought, or everyone thinks. Again, I always encourage people to try and own the feedback that they're offering and talk about what their experience is personally. I have seen that as well. So everybody should own their feedback and everybody should actually be able to speak for themselves. And implying that other people think something without anybody really taking responsibility for what they are thinking or for their feedback is not going to create a safe environment. Okay, well, so we've talked about some of the challenges. Let's look at the other side of the coin. So I'd like to now talk about some of the effective strategies for offering feedback that can create a platform for growth and development. What are your thoughts on that, Selen? For feedback to work, you need to get the context right. And by context, I mean the organizational context, the team context, and the relational context. So if you have an environment where organization doesn't really value development and any mistakes are basically too risky for people to make, a team environment where there are no clear criteria around performance, a relationship where you don't trust other team, the person you are going to give feedback to, and they don't trust you. All of that is not conducive to effective feedback. So effective feedback, interestingly, starts not in that uh, particular relationship, but in the larger context in which it is situated. So at the organizational and team level, it's extremely important that you have the goals, the standards, the norms clear and transparent and everybody knows what is expected of them. And as a result, feedback is not a surprise. People aren't guessing, people aren't wondering what kind of feedback they will be getting, but if they are thoughtful about it, they can more or less know what they will be hearing. So if people know what is expected of them, it will be very easy for you to point to the gaps between reality and the expectations. On the other hand, if the norms are unclear, the standards are unknown, um, or they are shifting, basically, feedback will be more difficult to give and also to take. So for this reason, anyone in the role of giving feedback should continuously aim for transparency and clarity in expectations. So that's the first important idea. In a good feedback culture, feedback is given continuously. It's not limited to an annual or biannual performance review. It is informal, it's frequent, and this is important because, first of all, it keeps people focused on development and getting things right. It communicates expectations regularly and ensures that they get addressed before problems become too big and entrenched to tackle. And continuous feedback in small doses is very, very helpful for that. Super suggestion. And I think it's also important to look at, again, the flip side of that, which is making time to identify and talk about where things are working effectively, where people are 
collaborating in an effective, impactful way and, and putting that out as well, as well as celebrating that. Absolutely. That really builds team spirit, that builds trust, that creates engagement and motivation. And that also creates the, the buffer, the emotional buffer for when you need to give negative feedback. Glad you, you mentioned that because it's really, really important to, to explicitly state anything positive we notice about uh, individuals, about team functioning and celebrate it which will both reinforce that behavior and just boost morale. Great. And in my experience, it's also good for leaders to practice being specific about the behaviors they're seeing. So going back to something you said earlier, not just saying, this is great, you've done a good job, but thinking about and sharing what were the actual things that were happening that people were doing or saying or that you experienced that made you feel that they were working effectively. Exactly. And what you said also is consistent with another very important feedback principle, which is giving it in a very timely manner immediately after the event, because that's when it is fresh and that's when people can uh, learn most from it, whether it's negative feedback or positive feedback. And some of the better leaders I have seen, as you just said, had a practice of it, basically. And I think this is a type of habit that we all should aim for because it has such a positive effect on the team morale. So I was saying that we need to get the organizational culture right. Within that organizational culture or the team culture, it's also important to have a positive relationship with the other party. And uh, basically, a positive relationship creates the psychological safety that is required for an effective feedback session. Because especially to take negative feedback, people really need to be open to you. They need to be available to hear you, to accept what you have to tell them. And this is most likely to happen if they trust you they trust your integrity, they trust your competence, and they also trust that you have their best interests in mind. It's not because you are just trying to pick fault with them, it's because you want to improve them. And if you have already a positive relationship with people, and if you are really committed to their success and performance, people can usually sense that, just as they can sense if your heart is not in that place. So for that reason, to get the best out of your people as a leader, you need to build trust and good relationships. If relationship is strained, trust is in short supply. What you say will probably just be dismissed because the assumption will be you are being unfair or you don't know what you are doing or you wouldn't say those things to the other person who actually you seem to like more, who is your favorite and so on. So a good relationship is the most effective foundation from which we can help other people improve their performance by our feedback. Yeah, that said, I can imagine a lot of our listeners out there saying, yeah, this is great, but I have a couple of people who I don't have a great relationship with who I need to give some feedback to. In my experience, one way, therefore, building that trusting relationship is by not necessarily always focusing on the holes or what's going wrong, but to shift your mindset to think about what are the things that I can share with this person 
that they're doing that are effective? That's very, very true. We have our likes or dislikes, and we let them sometimes shift our criteria. Sometimes we let them shift our attention and focus. So with some people, we only focus on the positive. With others, we only focus on the negative. And that's why I think your point is absolutely true. So for both the people we like or we dislike, because both of those present their own types of danger. I mean, it's, it's actually not helpful to the person you like if you never ever point to them the gaps between where they are and where they should be, right? This isn't a service to them at all. Maybe in the short run, they feel a little bit better. In the long run, they are missing out on developmental opportunities. So trying to be balanced, as you said, and trying to look for both the negative and the positive in everyone that we give feedback for, making sure that we are evaluating everyone on the same parameters and using the same criteria is extremely important. This is also how you can minimize defensiveness. If people know that you are a fair person, regardless of uh, your likes or dislikes, you will get so much more out of your team. If we are in a relationship at work with someone where we don't feel very good about the relationship and if we still need to give that person feedback, to stay balanced, I think it's very important to make a discipline again to remember the contributions everyone makes because sometimes again we get annoyed by someone we get upset by what someone does and we reduce that person to this single mistake or that single problem but really no person should be reduced to the one problem so trying to see the full picture where are they contributing where are they not contributing as much is a very very effective way of staying balanced in the feedback that we give. Yes, absolutely. And if I could add to that, Selen, I also feel it helps if people can go into the conversations where they need to give feedback, being a bit curious. So this sort of links to your comments on likes and dislikes. I think it's easy to have biases, right? Or assumptions about why somebody is performing in a certain way. And I encourage leaders to, to be curious and maybe even start the feedback process by asking the individual about their performance, allowing them to self-assess. Yeah. So saying things such as, you know, we finished this project and I just want to get a sense of how you feel about how it went, the things you felt you did well or could do more effectively. Because often, if they have the discipline to ask that question, they might find that the individual's self-evaluation in some ways, matches their experience or what they saw or felt. Absolutely true. A good feedback session is characterized by openness. If we go into a conversation, feedback conversation with someone, and if we already have made up our minds as to the reasons of their perhaps poor performance, then uh, we are losing on the opportunity to, to learn from them how things look from their perspective. And that is something that, again, if you are not in a discovery mode, if you are rigid, if we basically make certain assumptions about the other party, and if we are in the mindset of, I know what this is, 
we are not allowing for the possibility that we may not have the full picture. And I have, again, this is something I have heard from my students. So when they think about their more positive feedback experiences, they mentioned how rather than being talked at, they were approached. And I've noticed that you are not performing as well as you did two months ago. Did something happen? Is everything okay with you? And again, if this is coming from a place of genuine care and concern, rather than a sense of, well, what is wrong with you? Then people respond positively. I think we often forget that in the workplace, people really, really care about that human concern, um, the sense that they are cared for and respected. So that when we approach the other person as someone whose performance may not be at the ideal level, but if we ask them, this is what I've noticed, why is this happening? Do you have an explanation? Do you have any idea on how you can change things? We also give them the ownership of the issue. We basically motivate them to see the issues and to solve their problems. Because in the end, we can show them the difference between where they are and where they should be. It's up to them what they will do about that. And we want them to take that responsibility. So thanks for that point, Viola, very important point. I think there is one thing which is the most critical, most important idea about giving feedback. And when I'm teaching, I'm telling to my students, you may forget everything else about feedback, but at least keep that in mind. And that is the importance of staying objective and precise and factual. So because if you stay objective, factual and uh, precise, then the chances of you being biased or unfair go down considerably. Being precise, factual, objective is absolutely the key to giving good feedback. So the SBI feedback tool, SBI stands for situation, behavior, and impact. And the idea is actually really very simple. So you start by describing the situation, then you describe the precise objective behavior, and then you talk about its impact. So for example, you could say, yesterday at the meeting with a client, you were not able to answer Mary's question on the finances, and I worry that the client will consider us incompetent or unenthusiastic about the project. So what did I just say? I described a situation yesterday at the meeting, very specific, very clear what I'm talking about. Uh, you could not answer Aaron's question about the finances. So it's, again, a very specific situation. And then you talk about the impact. I worry that the client will consider us incompetent. So what this isn't is... You are not saying you couldn't properly answer any questions in the client meeting and you made us look like a fool. I think everyone can see the difference between the two. The second one is extremely ineffective for the reasons we already discussed, because it is targeting the person, it's too general, it doesn't talk about what went wrong. So this type of specific feedback 
helps the party see the exactly what the issue is and it makes them less likely to disagree and get defensive because again they will agree with you that they could not answer that question they will probably agree with you that the client may not have reacted very positively to that and you are on the same page with them and then from there you take the conversation to what can we do about that? How can we prevent this the next time? You aren't just giving it. You are rather opening a dialogue about what can be done about it, which will help the other party take responsibility for addressing this situation. Yes, that's fantastic. And I think also it's important for leaders to feel it's okay to practice in the comfort of their own office in terms of crafting the way that they might share feedback. I often come across leaders who think I should be able to do this immediately, effectively, you know, and get it right on the spot. And we're saying, yes, give feedback as soon as you can after an event, but also it's important to feel comfortable and confident and that it's okay to take the time to prepare to give that feedback. Yes, absolutely. So I, I want to say two things about what you said. The first is getting better at giving feedback is just like any other leadership skill, something that takes time and practice to develop. And anyone can start working on that by perhaps setting goals for themselves. So I will give feedback to one person every day using this particular tool. For example, the SPI tool, I will talk about the situation, when you were uh, working on this report, I will talk about this behavior, you made sure that you went through all of the documents, even those going back two years, and I believe that this made the report very thorough, which I expect to be appreciated, and I'm very happy about that and I'd like to thank you for this, right? So and you can aim to do that uh, for at least once a day. Right? So that's the one part about developing feedback skills. And again, if the goal is developing a team, developing uh, people so that you can grow the performance, you can deliver better results, feedback is one of the best tools that we have at our disposal. And leaders really should make use of that too. The second thing you mentioned was taking the time to prepare your feedback and it's also extremely important. There may be two major reasons why you want to take your time before you give your feedback. So first one is basically you being too emotional. Something happened, you are really upset, you are angry and this is not when you should be giving feedback because when you are in an emotional state, you are not going to be able to speak in a balanced and fair manner. We, we know that emotions focus our attention to the one thing they are about. And if you give feedback in such an emotional state, you will simply create resistance because you will probably say things that will threaten the, the dignity of the other party. You may use sarcasm, blaming, attacking, ranting, all of which are not going to help the other party stay 
open to you. Oftentimes, when people give feedback in such a state, things are said that are regretted by both parties, counterproductive exchanges. Also, say there's a performance review going on and things get up heated, consider taking a break. Like emotions are really in the way of a constructive conversation. We rather want to cool down. So that's one thing. And the second situation where you want to plan your feedback is, of course, when you have more than one thing to say. And so you should really have an agenda. You should have a list of what you want to convey before a feedback session that will help you stay grounded and make sure that you communicate everything that you want to communicate. Yes, absolutely. And I feel it's critical, Selen, to point out what's going on for people physiologically and with the brain in these circumstances. So when emotion is heightened, your brain is flooded with information, and this can also trigger a range of emotions, and you can ultimately find yourself lost for words. So it's important to acknowledge that that's that's a human response. Absolutely. And this applies basically to any sort of relationship, right? It's not just work relationships. When we have something to say to our partners, friends, family members, it's much better to say it when we are not in a strong emotional state. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing a bit about the SBI model. And as I'm sure individuals know, there are a number of different models out there that you can use to give feedback. There's the traffic lights model. There's the ABC model. And I think it's fair to acknowledge that in the beginning, they can feel like they're a bit complex and challenging to apply in a live situation. So it's important to, again, not to be too hard on yourself and practice using these models. Uh, I see building up effectiveness and giving feedback sort of like building a, a muscle. If you want to build your strength, you don't go out and try and lift 300 pounds at once. You use small repetitions to help you build your strength, build your competence and capability. And the same goes with building your proficiency in giving feedback. Little reps done often find situations every day where you can practice all or, or parts of the models that we're talking about. This has been a great conversation, Selen. What I'd like to do is leave listeners with some practical tips on giving feedback before we close. Yeah. So I will give seven ideas which capture most of the things we have already talked about. So, But the first idea is getting the cultural setting right, making sure expectations are clear, making sure that people know what to expect, making sure that... You value development so that people are open to feedback and they know that that's the only way to improve performance. Second idea, getting the relational setting right, like making sure that you have trust or doing your best that you have trust and that you have a positive relationship. And part of that is also giving as much positive feedback as possible so that they know that you are not being unfair when you focus on their shortcomings. Third idea is being honest about our motivations. And we talked about self-awareness. We talked about understanding 
our likes and dislikes and this is the part which is i think again the hardest for leaders self-awareness and sometimes when we give feedback we don't have the right motivations and this is something we also need to be able to observe in ourselves so maybe our feedback is an attempt to shift blame or maybe again we are picking faults with someone because we don't like them maybe they aren't doing anything wrong but we will just do things differently and we want things get done our own way we need to check our motivations uh, before we give feedback the right place from which to give feedback is trying to improve performance Right, so that's the third idea. The fourth idea is, I have talked about the importance of minimizing defensiveness and resistance because critical feedback in particular is difficult to take even for the most emotionally stable ones among us and most people are not there. So we should anticipate emotional impact. We should anticipate some level of defensiveness and again, try to do our best to do not unnecessarily amplify those negative feelings by, again, attacking the person, by being sarcastic, by not being objective, right? Fifth idea, most important idea I already mentioned, being precise, factual, objective. You can use the SPI feedback tool to help you with that so that you stay as much away from giving people your personal opinions as feedback. Sixth idea, having a conversation and get people to take responsibility. So aim for a conversation rather than a monologue. Uh, prompt uh, the other party with questions such as, what are your thoughts about this? What are you planning to do differently? How would you like to take it from here? And this is, as you were saying, this is about being in a discovery mode. This is about being curious this is about trying to learn something new in that conversation with that person rather than i am the boss i'm giving the feedback and you take it seventh and final idea i always say fairness is the bedrock of good leadership first and foremost and that means that we may not like everyone equally, but we really need to be fair in the way we give feedback. So we want to make sure that we give people as objective a feedback as we can. So these were the seven ideas. Now, we haven't talked much about the concept of dealing with receiving feedback that's given to you. And I'm wondering if we could talk a bit about that or get your, your thoughts on that. So... How to receive feedback is a whole other topic on which I think we all could use some more training as well or some more insights as well. The first and very basic idea is to accept that negative feedback is hard. We are not wired to welcome negative feedback. There may be the rare person out there who enjoys hearing negative feedback because they know it could help them improve. For most people, even if they can intellectually see the value in it, even if they can say to themselves, okay, it will help me, in the short run, it is hard to hear negative feedback. Now, the question becomes then, how do we make sure that this emotional first reaction doesn't prevent us from 
taking the feedback on board and let us guide our performance, let us improve our performance. And here, one thing that may help is anticipating the negativity that we may initially feel, but reminding ourselves how much more we can improve things if we take it on board. Another thing that sometimes happens is not all feedback is good, not all feedback is delivered effectively, not all feedback comes from the right place, right? So this is also something we need to keep in mind. Even if the feedback we get may feel biased, we still should strive to see the core of truth in it. We, we should still try to find an insight in it and at the very least it tells us something about how at least some people see us. Yes, yes, absolutely. And one of the things I encourage people to think about is not necessarily seeing the feedback conversation as a binary process. Yes, it's important to listen. Yes, it's important to understand. But I personally believe it's also okay to question. And I know I myself have been in situations where I've been given feedback but have taken the time to say to the person, okay, thanks for sharing your perspective. Can you, can you say a bit more? Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point. So we were talking earlier about what is the right way to give feedback, but we also mentioned that most people don't give feedback the right way. So um, you can almost coach the other party to give you the right kind of feedback by, for example, asking them what kind of specific behaviors are you talking about? And again, it's important to engage in a conversation, whether you are the recipient or whether you are the feedback giver, you obviously don't need to accept everything that is being taught to you. You should be explaining how things look from your perspective. It's actually the very same point I think we were making about giving feedback. You shouldn't respond to feedback when you are feeling very emotional about it. I heard from my student that that happens sometimes. So they get some feedback, like verbal feedback. They don't like it. It triggers something in them, like it presses some buttons and they respond very emotionally, which basically is reciprocated with some more negative emotions and it escalates and it's not pretty. So we shouldn't give feedback when you are emotional. We also should not respond to feedback before we have actually taken the time to sit on it and think about it. Yes, I'm delighted that you said that because, you know, one of the things I often say to leaders I work with in many situations is it's okay to take the feedback and say, thanks for sharing that. I actually want to go away and think about that. Would you mind if I come back to you after I've had a chance to, to think about this and process it? That's a great, great way to respond to feedback, just taking the time to think about it. And if you do have an opportunity to go back and have another conversation with somebody who's given you feedback, a great way of opening that conversation could be to start off by saying, I've reflected on this. Here's what I understand you've said. What are the one or two things you feel I could do more of to improve my performance or generate a more positive impact in the situation that you offered me feedback around? Yeah, so basically making them your partner in improving your performance, seeking their constructive help. Right. 
So, Selen, we could go on for another hour talking about this. It's such a rich topic, but I want to thank you again for your time. And more specifically, thank you for coming to this conversation with some practical tools that people can use to help in building their feedback skills. Thank you, Isla. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to Leadership Playbook, a London Business School podcast. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to the podcast. Just search London Business School in your podcasting app of choice. To receive a curated selection of articles, podcasts, and films direct to your inbox each fortnight, subscribe to Think at London Business School, the place to go for thought leadership and business insights from London Business School faculty and alumni. Just tap the link in the show notes below. Also, don't forget to check out the activities and thought leadership pieces emerging from the London Business School Leadership Institute. Links to our website can also be found in the show notes below. Thanks again for joining us.